Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. All right, well, you're back. We are back. Fifth Street Soccer, Nick and Kartik. We took a couple of days off. Terrible timing, I might add, with the uh, week one of the Premier League, but uh, sometimes there's nothing you can do about it. Welcome uh, to the show. we got a lot to get to. Of course, week one of the Premier League is the discussion today. Uh, some really astounding results, I think, over the weekend, Kartik. Chelsea Football Club, I think, need to be a big part of our discussion today, along with Liverpool, Man City, Spurs, and Manchester United, and let's not forget Arsenal and that big signing, Dombele, coming on, making an impact right away. Yeah, and uh, uh, I, uh, the stunner of the weekend for me was Brighton going away from home. We well, A lot of people tip Brighton for relegation, myself included. Graham Potter comes in. We think highly of him as a manager, but still thought they're not going to do well this season. Going to Vicarage Road and winning 3-0 against the Watford team, uh, a lot of us... Oh, already had said maybe they're going to make a European run this year. So uh, week one turns on its head. Of course, it is only match day one. Let's not get too excited. All, uh, but there are some real problems for s- several clubs that were apparent, particularly Chelsea. And we'll get to that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we're going to talk about it all. And of course, we would love to hear from you here on the show. Uh, you can give us a call in the studio, 800-878-7529, 800-878-PLAY. Mm-hmm. Or you can find us on Twitter. We're at Fifth Street Sports. We're also on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Fifth Street Sports Talk. We'd love to have you involved in the conversation. Uh, Leicester Wolves, Newcastle Arsenal, United Chelsea. Those were the Sunday matches. Saturday, we got a good look at some teams that we were very interested in seeing. Uh, obviously, Manchester City was of particular interest, uh, particularly to Kartik. As you mentioned, big result for Brighton. And Aston Villa Spurs, what an interesting match that was. And of course, the Friday match was Liverpool-Norwich. Now, tomorrow is the European Super Cup in Istanbul. We're going to touch on that between Liverpool and Chelsea. Oh, we have so much to get to. It is so wonderful. It is back. The greatest show on earth is here. My excitement is just palpable. Ah, oh, it's fantastic. I don't know what to say. 800-878-7529. Big hello to our men and women in uniform around the world listening on the American Forces Network. And if you're listening on Sirius XM 211 Dan Patrick Sports or the affiliate stations of the Sports Byline Broadcast Network, we do welcome you to the show. Football, it's come home. On the telly, that is. Fantastic. All right, don't go anywhere. We'll pick up the discussion right after the break. The mighty, all-powerful Tom Jones. You know, I just drove from uh, Las Vegas to Houston with my very special lady, and, you know, she could not get enough of Tom Jones on the drive. Well, that's... uh... That's great. I was watching Thunderball this weekend, actually, and the theme... Obviously, the Bond movie, the theme song, Thunderball, Tom Jones. Yes, exactly. The great one. All right, well... (laughs) Okay, welcome back to the show. Uh, Fifth Street Soccer. I hope Kerry's listening. She could really enjoy that. Um... Fifth Street Soccer, we're back with you. Uh, Kartik, the show kicked off on Friday with Liverpool 
uh, a really solid win over Norwich. And, you know, it's fascinating to me because, you know, Norwich made very, very few moves in the transfer market. They finished top of the championship with, shall we say, some style. Uh, they scored a boatload of goals while they were in the championship. Uh, but I think their philosophy that their squad was good enough for the Premier League uh, maybe has been proven to be somewhat uh, flawed as they were thumped uh, thoroughly. No, I'm not going to make the... I'm not going to make that assumption after one week, uh, uh, particularly the match at Anfield being maybe the toughest match you're going to face in the Premier League. Uh, Daniel Farkas' team actually created more clear-cut scoring chances, believe it or not, than any team uh, created at Anfield last season, any opposition team. So uh, Timu Puki is a player I liked a lot in the championship yeah, he, last year. He was very good. He was very good. So we'll see. I mean, I think it wasn't a great start for them, but um, they have a clear way of playing. Obviously, uh, Farka has, has managed under Jurgen Klopp before. Uh, so they were going to take the game to Manchester, uh, to, to Liverpool. They tried. They failed, uh, obviously. Uh, but, um, you know, let's talk about Liverpool. Really efficient. And you have to begin to ask questions about Divock Origi in that anytime he needs to pop up and score... He does. Anytime Liverpool needs something from him, he delivers it. And this is why he got a contract extension and Daniel Sturridge is no longer at Anfield. I know uh, on paper, people have told me Sturridge is a much better striker, but I think uh, the occasion doesn't get to Origi and he fits Jurgen Klopp's system better. Well, I mean, there are they're two, they're two big things with Origi. I mean, number one, uh, he is um, he's young. Uh, I trying to re remember exactly how old he is. I think he's uh, he's like 23 or 24 years old. Yeah, he was 19 when they signed him. So right, he, 19 when they signed him. They sent him out on loan. Uh, they've kind of kept him in the orbit, and I think now we know why. I mean, last year he was enormous. His contributions were, were, were really timely, let's put it that way. And he yeah. showed that he can fit the system, and he can obviously play at that level. Uh, and, of course, Daniel Sturridge, you know, not 24 years old or 23 years old, what, 29, 30 on the tail end of his career. And unfortunately, I love Daniel Sturridge, great guy, great player, but, you know, very injury-prone. Injury I don't think you're going to find that same level of uh, fragility with Dibak Origi. No, and, and, and I think uh, as well, Origi probably happy uh, to be on a successful team uh, that he can spell uh, whether it's Firmino, Mane, or, or Salah. In this case, it was Mane coming back uh, late from the Cup of African Nations. Um, he, he could spell one of those three guys, play wide, play centrally, and isn't going to sulk about not getting playing time. We know uh, Daniel Sturridge's attitude and his work rate has been questioned. Uh, Jurgen Klopp is not the first manager to question that, or it's not the first manager there's been issues with that. So I, I, I think ultimately Liverpool made the, uh, um, made the right decision. And um, this is a, 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 a really solid side. And you, you still have uh, Adam Milano, who hasn't been moved on, who can also help. Yeah. And Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain, who's back from injury. Right. And so I think when they didn't make any signings in the offseason, even though there was some very low-level grumbling from Liverpool supporters, I think Jurgen Klopp was absolutely right. I mean, uh, you know, they have the squad, they have players, and they have really good players that didn't necessarily get the amount of game time they should have last season. Uh, of course, the injury to Allison was a bit of a disaster early on in the season. 
you don't like to see that, particularly also Liverpool conceding a goal at home for the opening match. I mean, they've really been the king of the clean sheets with that incredible defensive record. Uh, but ne- nevertheless, uh, I think a, uh, a interesting first match and, and a marker was laid down, a marker which I might add and say so with somewhat of a great deal of pleasure that both Manchester United, Arsenal... Uh, and and of course Manchester City uh, picked up on and laid down their own markers. They all had uh, some really pretty good results. Uh, Arsenal winning away at Newcastle. We'll talk about that one in a minute. Uh, but I want to turn our attention to a couple of other matches. Uh, let's talk a little bit about Spurs Villa because you know uh, the first half of that game, I was thinking, good lord, really? <laughs> I mean, you know, is this sort of lack of of depth of signings going to hurt them now? But, you know, Harry Kane did what Harry Kane does. They look good. And Aston Villa is a team that has added, what, £130 million of new players. Yeah, and and Villa wasn't able to integrate all those players immediately. We saw Wesley, uh, the big, tall uh, target striker Brazilian that they signed from from Standard Liège. Uh, he, He got some touches, but he was very much isolated. Um, that midfield, they signed Douglas Luiz, but that midfield that was so good in the championship last year of Horahan, uh, uh, Grealish, and McGinn, uh, he, uh, uh, Neil, uh, Dean, Dean Smith kept that uh, trio together. Uh, Kansa didn't play. Target didn't play. These were big signings. I was really impressed with Trezeguet before he went off. Yeah. Um, the wide player that they signed, the Egyptian, uh, who we've seen play for the Egyptian national team. So I, I liked what I saw from Villa for 70 minutes. They just... Uh, you don't have another gear. Uh, they didn't have another gear yet. Some of those signings weren't integrated. And look, Spurs um, have a lot of quality. And uh, uh, and Belay, the signing, phenomenal, right? He 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 showed. Yeah, phenomenal. Good stuff. I mean, uh, we're gonna have a great. Premier League year. And by the way, I look forward to watching some of those games with uh, the youngest uh, soccer fan out there, young Jesse, uh, Jesse Angle, who is uh, all of four and just started playing soccer. So uh, we'll get him into the Premier League, shan't we, Kartik? Yeah, yeah. And Ndombele is a, uh, is a great young player uh, for him to follow. <laughs> exactly. Um, if you want a young player to follow. I mean, I, I was really impressed by that guy, the way he got around the pitch. Um, in his first Premier League match. We knew I mean, that's Spurs record signing, I believe. Uh, we knew he was going to be good, but uh, uh, he was very, very good. I was very impressed. Yeah, very impressive stuff. I mean, it, there were some really solid matches this weekend for the first, uh, for the first uh, uh, week one of the Premier League. Um, you know, Watford, Brighton, what a surprise, Carter. You, you touched oh. on that. I mean, Brighton, Hove, Albion, you're right. Everybody had them as a relegation contender, but, I mean, they just put a thumping at Vicarage Road. On Watford, yeah, and and you know the thing about Watford is Watford is so uh, difficult to get a handle on because they have so many players who come in and come out. Um, they have a, a relatively speaking an older team, and uh, they were very very disappointing in this match. Uh, uh, now, in in terms of Brighton, they look good. They made a couple of big signings. Neil Mape, player they brought in late in the transfer window, got a nice goal. Uh, they brought him in from Brentford. Uh, Graham Potter. People who watched Swansea last season told me, and, and he he managed in Sweden before that, um, is a really good tactician. He's really good at getting his players uh, relative to the opposition in in a uh, in a good position to succeed. So he's not one of these managers who necessarily has a uh, a set style associated with him, but he is a manager that uh, g- game plans for each opponent. So. 
uh, maybe that's what Brighton needs, right? Uh, uh, to, to stay in, in the division. And, and they're going to be a little more um, open in how they play than they were under Chris Hutton. So uh, fantastic result. I mean, probably the surprise of the weekend. For me. Yeah, and a match I was really looking forward to, Crystal Palace-Everton, because of the situation, obviously, with Everton, trying to get Zaha and, uh, and, and, and everything else. And then Zaha uh, not making it. And then playing Everton in the first uh, game of the season um, was a bit of a snoozer. Yeah, Everton didn't dress any of their, their, their big signings. So uh, we didn't see... Moise Keen yet. Uh, yeah. He's a player I loved at Juventus last season. We didn't see him. We didn't see Uwobi. Uh So, again, jury out on Everton. Uh, it's Everton. We, we're going to, the jury will probably be out all season, right? <laughs> yeah, we'll wait and see. All right. When we come back, we'll touch on some of the other matches. Uh, we'll start looking forward to some of the new matches we got to look forward to. And also, tomorrow, it's the uh, Super Cup. Can't wait. All right. This Street Soccer, Nick and Kartik with you. We'll be right back after this. You're clear. Back with Nick and Kartik on Fifth Street Soccer. We're looking back at the weekend's Premier League action. Um, we're going to get to the Chelsea Man United match, or Man United Chelsea match, because it was at Old Trafford. We're going to get to that in just a minute. I uh, want to keep going down the list, though, talking about some of the other matches. Uh, Southampton looked very toothless against Burnley, uh, albeit at Turf Moor, but not not impressed at all with Southampton's performance. Uh, and Bournemouth uh, Sheffield no. was kind of much of the same, but. But boy, what I mean, Southampton are going to be in for a torrid, torrid season. And I think that they are playing uh, Liverpool uh, at St. Mary's on Saturday. So it's just going to get uh, more difficult for them. Yeah, what a great game for Ashley Barnes for, for Burnley. Uh, Dwight McNeil also, uh, the youngster, really good game. Good Monson had, uh, uh, had, had uh, a good game. I really like... Um, Sean Dyche's team, obviously they struggled last year. I think being in Europe at the beginning of the season messed them up. Uh, I think they'll be solid this season. Southampton, Hassan Houghton went out and um, culled more than he signed, right? They went out yeah. and, and, and kind of trimmed the payroll, uh, got rid of a lot of guys with experience, and then also, interestingly enough, uh, have moved Nathan Redmond centrally. Now, he, he's got a lot of pace. You want him to get as many touches as possible, but uh, he gets he, he was getting pushed off the ball uh, by Tarkowski and, and the defenders. He looked terrible. He looked, he looked yeah. terrible to me. He, he didn't look he Yeah, didn't yeah, look Redmond looked awful. Yeah, he did. I, I don't think he can play centrally, and I, I think this is a, a huge gamble by Hootel to move his best wide player centrally and not buy a central midfielder. So they could be in a lot of trouble. Uh, keep an eye on Southampton. I, I'm, I'm concerned about them. Yeah, and actually, um, you know, depending on what happens next week, I, who do they have after Liverpool? Do you know, Kartik? Uh No, but uh, uh, you know, they, the interna- the first international break comes soon, so you don't want to be in a position where you uh, you have no points after three matches. Let's see. Uh, I'm going to check their fixtures while we're uh, because you know while it, we're talking. Well, while you're doing that, I mean, you know, listen. I mean, Hassan Hudel had a a, a a one of these sort of real roller coaster seasons last season. I mean, he he saved Southampton. He was 
Yep. Uh, you know, he was the, the savior, but you might want to look at him. If they continue to play like this, uh, you, he might be a candidate for an early, early sacking. Yeah, they've got Brighton, and then they've got uh, Man United before Ooh. the international break Ooh. after Liverpool. Look, Hasselhutten got sacked, got himself sacked at uh, at Leipzig. He was very good the first season there. They finished second in the league, but then they blew up the second year. Um, similar situation where um, he, he called the squad, sold some guys, didn't really replace them. Um, you know, got into the Gengen pressing, and I think they finished sixth or seventh in the league, and he didn't make it through the season. Um, it fell from second to sixth. So, uh, yeah, he, he, he then uh, did very well last year. Uh, Mark Hughes had Southampton on the brink of being relegated. Uh, he came in, did well, but uh, again, instead of buying smart, um, uh, kind of went with what they had and got rid of some guys. So, although they did sign Danny Ings, that's one thing they well, did no, do. They, they brought no, him in on and, loan and, last year. And Che Adams. Che Adams, right, who uh, was great at, at, at Birmingham, um, a player I like a lot. So um, we'll see. It's all, only one match, but th- their their performance was probably the most shocking in, uh, outside of Chelsea's uh, on the first weekend. Well, and, it and it's uh, not as very- if he- the thing is, the thing is, Carty, the thing that would concern me uh, for Saints uh, fans is that, you know, it's not one of these situations where those players hadn't bedded in and didn't start. I mean, he started Danny Ings and uh, Shea Adams and, and Nathan Redmond started. I mean, he started yeah. with his A lineup and they got absolutely thrashed. Yeah, again, I think that the mistake is moving Redmond centrally. I get what Hassan Hoodle's thinking, because, you know, we've thought this. I think you and I, as kind of armchair managers, have thought this about the really great wide player. Uh, why don't you play him centrally? Because, you, you know, he's so good when he's on the ball, and he makes things happen, and he's so fast. But I think it's just a mistake. Redmond has been nothing but a winger in his entire career. I mean, the, we saw this with Arsenal, too, when they moved Theo Walcott centrally, how bad he was, right? Yeah. Um, I think this is a similar situation, and Hassan Hood might be four games from now saying, you know what, Nathan Redmond, go back and play play wide. We're going to have to f- figure out something at, at the number 10 spot. I, I have to say, look, I mean, week one, it's, you know, not the time you want to start making massive long-term prognostications. But And we're going right. to talk about Manchester United here in a minute, and uh, it's painful for me, but we are going to talk about them. Uh, but, uh, you know, other than Bournemouth-Sheffield, which was a 1-1, I think that was pretty much a, a given, that result. I don't think a lot of people would have been overly surprised about that, although it was at the vitality, mind you. Um, yeah, I, you know, I have to say, hmm. Dick, sorry, real quickly, I was really disappointed by that performance from Bournemouth. Ryan Frazier, who I thought was one of the best players outside the top six in the league last year, um, just was was terrible, giving the ball away, out of position. They really missed David Brooks in midfield. Billing was okay, uh, but uh, the, the the front players, King and, and uh, Wilson, didn't do anything. I was really impressed by Sheffield United. I know, yeah, it again, it's one match, but it was at the Vitality. That's a tough place to play. Bournemouth has the ability to play teams off the park. We know that. They played nice football. Um, Billy Sharp, who scored at every level in, in, in uh, English football, uh, got a goal. I, I don't know. Maybe Sheffield United is going to stick around. Again, it's one week, but they impressed me. I, 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 to me, that's like a win for them. You know, we say it's one week, and it, and it is week one. So, you know, and I've said this to people that are betters. I said it's often very 
very risky to bet the first weekend of Premier League action because you've got uh, players that are coming back from long-term international duty that maybe aren't playing yet. You've got, you know, teams don't get into their rhythm. New signings haven't necessarily betted in. But, you know, it's still three points for a win, none for a loss, and one for a draw. And when you look at the end of the season and you look back to last season, every result counts. Look, if Liverpool had got one of those early matches as a win rather than a draw you know, we'd be looking at them as uh, champions of the Premier League. So every match counts, and you can't afford to uh, drop matches this early because it will come back to haunt you because it doesn't get easier, it gets harder. Uh, but I have to turn to your boys, Kartik, at, uh, in London playing West Ham because what a performance from Manchester City. Uh, they looked like they haven't, much like Liverpool, looked like they just sort of this was another game tacked on from the end of last season I thought City looked the same way they looked terrific they looked so comfortable with the system they looked so comfortable with playing uh playing you know with each other as a team uh of course um uh you know it's really I mean could you take any negatives out of that match for City uh, I certainly couldn't and and what a performance from one of my favorite players in English football Raheem Sterling Oh yeah, Sterling is just at another level. I don't know what all these uh, these morons who, who think uh, he shouldn't be starting for England, what those people who've said all that stuff in the past, what they're saying now. Um, from Manchester City standpoint, yeah, Rodri looked really comfortable. The new yeah, signing. Yeah. Um, the thing that was really surprising was that Bernardo Silva didn't play, and, and I, I and. Mara's got the full 90. So I don't know if that's squad rotation, if there's something more to that. That was very surprising to me because unlike Liverpool and Chelsea, and we'll get to Chelsea in a minute, unlike Liverpool, they they, they don't have the, the, the midweek Super Cup. Right? I could see um, saving Mane if I'm Jurgen Klopp because uh, he's coming off the Cup of African Nations and he's got the, um, uh, um, the, the, the Super Cup. Uh, in Istanbul, right? But for Manchester City, it was quite odd not to see Bernardo Silva, who was, along with Sterling, their best player last year. Those were the two best yeah. guys on the team. Um, but what a performance, again, from Sterling. Unfortunately, Nick, um, this match was overshadowed by VAR and the, the the conversations about VAR. But VAR did get every call correct. It did. It did. Uh, but yet, I've yeah. listened to Sky Sports. I've listened to Talk Sport the last couple of days. And they're just going on about how that match was ruined. Oh, nonsense. Um, rubbish. Rubbish. Yeah, you know, it's going to take a while in England yeah. for them to get used to this, though. You know how it is there. Yeah, a goal a goal is a goal when it's a legal goal and follows the rules. And, 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 and that's the way it is. And that's what VAR is doing. As we said, I expect over the next two or three years to see modifications to rules. We're already seeing that with the rule for, you know, uh, keepers passing the ball out of the box and some other things. Uh, but we'll see. But look, uh, uh, this was a performance that laid the gauntlet down for the title race. And Liverpool and Manchester, uh, Liverpool and Manchester City are clearly the two front runners for the title race. I mean, none of us are surprised by that. I know it's very, very early to say it, but look, these are the two best teams in England. However, and I, and I say a big however here, we are going to talk about the surprise of the weekend for me. Not the result, not the result, mind you, but the way they played. Uh, and we're going to talk about Manchester United, Chelsea uh, in the next segment. And there's a lot of different ways we can look at that game, but it is going to be a terrific title race. Tottenham look on form. Arsenal, well, it wasn't a big win for Arsenal, but they got the three points when they needed it. 
But Arsenal also, uh, uh, Pepe didn't come in until late. Uh, Sabalos didn't yep. play. Uh, they've got uh, uh, David Luiz, uh, who uh, Chelsea missed dearly. I know we'll get to that in the next segment. Um, we, I questioned, I didn't know what Chelsea was doing when they sold David Luiz. Now I really don't know what they were doing after watching yeah, their back four. Yeah. But um, yeah, Arsenal haven't really betted in their new signings yet. So, and Unai Emery made the decision to play with some of the youngsters, Gonzadi, Maitland-Niles, um, yeah, Maitland uh, Reese Nelson got, yeah. got the start, uh, who they've sent out on loan a couple times now. Uh, that was really, uh, you know, young English player, nice to see. But um, they got the result with that with those youngsters playing. I wonder if Emery is not tempted, having rolled the dice with the young academy players, to keep going with them. We'll, well see. Why not? Um, why good not? result for them at St. James Park. Yeah, get him some, get him some seasoning, and all of a sudden, Arsenal have a squad that they can rotate. I mean, yeah, this yeah. is what this is what Gunas have been crying for. Well, you have it. You had a good off season. I'll eat my words about Stan Kroenke and Arsenal. They did some fine business, and I think they are going to be in the discussion in the top four. Oh, it's so exciting. We're going to talk about it all when we come back. Fist Street Soccer, Nick Eber and Kartik Krishnaya with you. Find us on Twitter at Fist Street Soccer or give us a call 800-878-7529. All right. You're back with Fist Street Soccer. Here on the Sports Byline Broadcast Network and Sirius XM 211, Dan Patrick Sports. And by the way, if you're listening to us on the Sirius XM app or iHeartRadio or TuneIn.com, uh, we welcome you to the show. Uh, we're with you each and every weeknight, 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 Eastern, when we don't take a little break, a little holiday, which we just did. Uh, again, apologize for the poor timing, but rest assured we will be with you just about every day throughout the Premier League season uh, for you to get your football therapy for the troubled soul. And the doctors, well, they are in. So let's get to it, Kartik, because we talked about Man City, West Ham. We talked about all the Saturday matches. Let's kind of uh, go backwards here. Leicester Wolves. By the way, I gave three match predictions on Thursday. I said uh, Liverpool were going to beat... Um, Liverpool were going to uh, beat um, Watford, which was no surprise. But I said take the over because it was three and a half goals. That was the... Uh, uh, that was the the total goals that the bookmakers were saying. I said take the over, and that was the right call. I did say Leicester were going to beat Wolves at King Power. I was wrong. That match was, um, uh, shall we say, surprisingly toothless. Yeah, look, this was a, a cagey affair because, you know, you get the sense that these two teams might be fighting each other off for a European place. Um, playing in, in the first uh, fixture of the, of the season wasn't ideal. Uh, Leicester signed Iose Perez. He didn't look that sharp. I mean, he looked so good last season at Newcastle. Uh, didn't seem to be uh, uh, acclimated to his new team yet. Uh, Wolves were very kind of pedestrian. Uh they had the goal from Dendonker that was chalked off a uh, new handball rule right. right after VAR, um, which, um, again, uh, yeah, don't blame VAR, blame that rule. That rule is is even more confusing than the previous handball rule. Uh, I know people are blaming VAR for, for that, uh, that goal being chalked off. Uh, the thing about Leicester in this match also was um, they have an incredibly young team, and I think yeah, we've spent do. a lot of time talking about that. Um, and sometimes when you have a young team where your core is under the age of 22, which is the case with this Leicester team, obviously they've got Vardy and Perez up front who are, uh, who are veterans, but the rest of the team is very young. 
um, even younger after the sale of McGuire. Although I guess they've slotted Johnny Evans in there. So uh, he's an older player. But you've got guys like Chilwell and Chowdhury and Barnes and, uh, and Madison. You know, Tillman's yeah, 22. Uh, Indeedy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, indeed, he's like a tailman's as young, uh, as good as he's as accomplished as he is already. You're, you're going to have matches where they just don't show, um, and that's the that's the situation with young players. We saw that with Arsenal when um, Wenger went very young a couple of years ago. Remember, yeah, uh, with the Wilshers and the and the Ramseys of the world, that there were some matches they just didn't show up for. Um, I think that's something we're going to have to be accustomed to with Leicester this year. It's a young team. They're going to wow us at times, but other times we're just going to watch matches and see duds, nil-nil duds. Yeah, well, that was that match. Um, of course, the uh, oh, we talked about Arsenal. By the way, in the Open, did I, I if I said uh, Dombele scored for Arsenal, I didn't obviously mean that because he's uh, with, with Spurs. He scored for Spurs. Right. I did say Spurs, not Arsenal, did I not? Or was I having a senior moment? Uh, I, I'm not sure. I yeah. don't remember. Well, anyway, obviously didn't. Aubameyang actually scored for Arsenal. Scored their goal against Newcastle. Um, look, it was it was a good win for Arsenal. But you know, I, I Newcastle, another team, are really going to struggle this year. And I know they were. Yeah. Uh, bookmakers had them in a relegation battle, and and losing Rafa Benitez is going to prove to be a massive, massive loss. Not just because of the manager and his ability. Uh, first of all, the love of the fans. Uh, second of all, his ability, man management ability, but also his ability to be an attractive manager to recruit players too. You know, we forget that, right? Players right. wanted so, to come play for Rafa Benitez. Right. So a lot of anger about uh, Benitez's uh, situation at Newcastle. Uh, anger about Mike Ashley that's been brewing for ten years, yeah. for a decade. Quite frankly, there were protests about Mike Ashley in two thousand nine. Now we're in twenty nineteen. He still hasn't sold the club. There were 10,000 unclaimed season tickets, by the way. Uh, there yeah, were protests protest, outside right. this match. Um, and the attendance was 51,000 or so, which is you know well below capacity, about 8,000 below capacity. Remember, every seat is generally sold for Newcastle matches. So um, there are some very unhappy fans uh, on, on uh, uh, Tyne's side. Uh, and here's what... I think makes it worse, this result. Uh, obviously, Steve Bruce has got a, a heavy lift. They did spend the money in bringing Joe Linton. But as I said in the last segment, you had Gonzati start. You had Reese Nelson start. You had Ad Ainsley Maitland-Niles start. You had three young players who are not going to be regular starters for Arsenal. I mean, I was stunned to see Reese Nelson in the eleven. Uh, yeah. he, he was on loan last season, of course. Uh, he's a player I know a lot of England fans are excited about, 19-year-old attacking prospect, the guy who's done well with the England U-20 one team. But, um, you know, uh, Unai Emery rolled the dice, not really respecting Newcastle, and he beat him at St. James Park. That is, I mean, it, it was a perfect opportunity for Newcastle to get a draw and say, hey, you know, everyone's tipping us for relegation, but we held our home a home pitch advantage, the protesters be damned. Um, Arsenal almost gifted it to them, but yet Arsenal still outplayed them and, and yeah. beat them. So that I, that's very worrying to me because, again, that is not the full-strength Arsenal by any stretch of the imagination. No, no, and Newcastle not. still lost. Yeah. Well, let's talk. Let's get to the big match. Uh, the big uh, – I won't say surprise, by the way, because – my prediction for this match, uh, we're talking about Old Trafford now, Man United-Chelsea, was a Man United win with the over. It was a 4-0 victory for Man United. Interestingly enough, Kartik, both these teams came out playing almost identical systems. Uh, and I think you saw 
a Man United team that has something to prove. And particularly interesting, by the way, in light of today's news, that Man United have now said Pogba is not for sale. They're not going to lose him. They're going to keep him. He's going to play, damn it, and he's going to play well. I thought he had a pretty decent game. The, yeah. I mean, you know, both teams played pretty much the same system, uh, but Martial got the goal. Tammy, Abrams, uh, Tab, Tammy Abraham, you know, was stranded out there. Let's talk about the Man United side first before we talk about the Chelsea side. Uh, there was not a lot not to like, and there's a lot of negatives there, I know, about the way Man United played. I thought they played some pretty positive football. They got a lot of goals. They looked really good. Rashford looked good. Lingard, I thought, looked decent. Um, the one question mark I kind of have, I'm still not sold on McTominay in the center of the park. I'm not sure just how good he is, Kartik. Yeah, um, obviously Mourinho liked him, and now Solskjaer seems to have kept faith with him. Andres Pereira is a player that uh, I don't think quite has Andrew Herrera's ability to get up and down the pitch, so uh, that's a concern. They have Matic still, who we know is aging. Uh, I really liked Juan Visaka in this game. I have to say, he, he yeah, really impressed yeah. me. Not that I, I'm surprised. We knew that was a good signing. Uh, but he had a really good match uh, for a debut. And obviously, Daniel James coming on the bench, bringing them some yeah. some spark out, out in wide areas. And by the way, really so, did, good. so did Harry Maguire. Yeah, Maguire had a good game. All three of their signings, we, we talked about them only signing three guys, but if all three guys are going to make an impact, and then it's a good window. Uh, Pogba, uh, well, it's a really good window if you keep Pogba. Pogba um, played the sort of match that we know he's capable of, right? And we don't see yeah. often enough. But he uh, he bossed that midfield in the second half. And, and obviously, uh, um, I was concerned, and, and as was all the pundits on television, about them selling uh, Lukaku and not buying a replacement. I don't think it'll be this easy against other competition because Chelsea's back line is, is atrocious. But Martial, Lingard... And uh, Rashford were finding little pockets of space. Pogba, Pogba was finding them, uh, and uh, they just carved apart uh, Chelsea's back line. Yeah, they, they certainly did. And Chelsea really showed very little teeth up front. Uh, but, you know, look, Zuma, Christensen, Aspilicueta, and Emerson. I mean, Aspil I have never seen a player look as slow as Aspilicueta looked to me out there. Awful. I, I, he's really slowed down. Now, we've seen him play a lot of center back the last few seasons, right? We haven't seen him play left back or right back where he had traditionally played. Now we're seeing how he slowed down. And look, I, there were a lot of things I liked about Chelsea uh, in the midfield and uh, Abraham, even though he didn't score a goal. But I'm going to tell you, they're going to have to score two, three goals a match yes. to win matches because their back line is horrible. Uh, and uh, that's a lot of pressure on, on uh, young players like Mason Mount, Tammy Abraham, Ross Barkley. I, I think Mount and Barkley in particular had really good matches. But again, you know, how disheartening is it for you if you're Chelsea and you're dominating possession and, and that midfield is linking up well? Um, and, and, you know, Jorginho, who's been criticized a lot, had a pretty good game. He did. But yeah. it doesn't matter if your back four is that bad. And Chelsea's decision to sell David Luiz um, – I, I just don't understand it. Now, they will have Rudiger back at some point, but it's still going to be a month or two. So they're going to have to get by with Christensen and Zuma as their center backs. Um, and Emerson, who's not a good defender as a left back, and uh, Azpilicueta, who looked really slow, uh, I, they're, they're going to have some trouble. They've got Leicester this week. I'm concerned they might drop point, uh, points oh. or maybe drop all three points in that match also. Well, I, th I, th I, I would likely take a draw on that because Leicester can actually score. Uh, but... 
you know, they just don't look the deal. And, and I wonder how much time they're going to give Frank Lampard. Uh, it's going to put him in a really bad position. Look, if they come, if we come into match day eight, match day nine, and they're mid-table or, or lower, you know, what are they going to do? What's uh, what's uh, Marina, what's the face going to do? I mean, they can't yeah. sack Lampard, really, can they? Well, well, she she's put herself in this position and her benefactor, Roman Abramovich, in this position because uh, we saw the protest where Roberto Di Matteo, uh, a playing yeah. hero at Chelsea, uh, got sacked. Now, Di Matteo is not Lampard. Lampard is, uh, along with Zola, maybe Peter Osgood, yeah. you know, the, the all-time great at, at, at the club. So um, I, I think it's going to be very difficult to sack him, particularly when they're under a transfer ban. Um, Willian is hurt. Conte is hurt. Uh, obviously, Rudiger is hurt. They have injuries, but um, I, I don't think that that's going to, to, to solve much of anything because uh, their back line is really poor. They don't have another right back uh, that can play. Uh, yeah, maybe uh, uh, Alonzo can play uh, left back, but he looked slow at the end of last season. Um, he made a lot of mistakes. So I think they have a real problem where – if, if they had the ability to spend in the transfer window, they would have brought in a center back. In fact, yeah. next summer, I think they're going to have to buy two center backs. Yeah. Um, but the guys like the Van Dykes and the Maguires, uh, they're off the market, right? So uh, maybe they go for Koulibaly from, uh, from Napoli, who is the best center back uh, outside of the Premier League. Uh, but uh, they're going to be so desperate next window that they're able to buy next summer. I think everybody's going to hold Chelsea hostage. Right, they're going to have to spend $100 million at least for a center-back. Yeah, They'll well, break Garth, that Maguire record. Well, Gaurav Sky is going to have to tell her buddy Abramovich to open up the purse strings because uh, right now I, it doesn't look good for Chelsea. I don't see them as a top-four contender. This was a terrible no. match, especially with Arsenal, Tottenham, uh, Manchester United. Uh, looking as solid as they did after week one. And, you know, it's easy to say when a team has a really poor performance in week one, you can say, well, the new players haven't bedded in, they haven't brought them in. But when a team has a great performance with those, with those, uh, with that asterisk right there, uh, you know, you can really get a good idea of who's going to be competing. And I think uh, that's what we are looking at. All I will say is this, I look forward to Chelsea Norwich because that is going to be a goal fest. Uh, whatever yeah. you do on that match, take the over, uh, unless it's something over a thousand goals. Uh, there are going to be so many goals. Um, it's uh, going to be a, a wonderful match to watch. All right, uh, we are going to have to go to break, and when we come back, we'll wrap it up. I do just want to mention uh, about a match I'm really looking forward to, really, on Saturday. I mean, Man City Spurs is really what it's all about, though, isn't it, Kartik? Because we get two huge matchups one week week over week here yeah uh a great way to start the season with these two big matchups uh uh united chelsea and spurs yeah. city all right well we're gonna go to break we'll be right back to wrap it up on fifth street soccer All right, you're back with us here on Fifth Street Soccer on uh, Sirius XM211, Dan Patrick Sports and the Sports Byline Broadcast Network. Just a couple minutes left. Kartik, uh, your thoughts after week one of the Premier League is uh, behind us. 
Yeah, I, I'm uh, especially concerned about Chelsea and, and what we saw defensively from them. Uh, concerned about Southampton and Watford. Watford, look, they turn over managers really quickly. So Javi Gracia had a great season last season, got to an FA Cup final. Uh, the embarrassment of that final they haven't put behind them, it looks like, uh, started very, very poorly. And I'd be concerned he might be the first manager on the brink uh, if they don't get some results in the next few weeks. All right, well, very quickly, tomorrow, of course, we have the Super Cup between uh, Liverpool and Chelsea. We will be on the air tomorrow to talk about it. I predict Liverpool will win this match. Um, it may not be a barn burner, but I can't see Chelsea winning this. Uh, no, I think it'll be uh, very one-sided. A two or three nil, I'm going to say. Yeah, it could well be. And, you know, the one thing about these matches that you have to remember is uh, the Premier League has started. So teams and players still have their eye on the weekend matches. Uh, they're going to be yeah. slightly averse to injury. They're not going to go in. I don't think we're going to see a, a really heavily physical match. But it is silverware, and it is fairly meaningful silverware, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I think the Super Cup has always been a fun match uh, in the last few years, and and, and I've enjoyed uh, enjoyed the matches. I mean, I remember the last time Chelsea was in it, and they got beat by Falcao and Atleti yeah. uh, 3-1. That was a really fun match. They're, they're open matches for the most part. Well, we will see. We'll be back on the air uh, with you tomorrow. Uh, we'll be on at uh, 9 Eastern. That's 6 Pacific. We uh, certainly hope you will join us. Let's talk about the Super Cup. Let's also look forward to the weekend. Start looking at some of these weekend matchups. Uh, there are some absolutely beautiful ones uh, to look forward to. So many talking points. So much to discuss now that the Premier League is back with us. So we hope you will make us a regular part of our of your week and you will join in our discussion. All right, folks, till tomorrow. Enjoy the match. Let's chat tomorrow. Cheers. Hi, this is Ron Barr. If you like insightful, interesting sports talk and interviews with the biggest names in sports, then join us for Sports Byline USA, coming up next on the Worldwide Sports Byline USA Network. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.